Hi, and welcome to Serenity in Leadership's series on leading responsibly with integrity and purpose. A series dedicated to conversations with people who are shining examples of this kind of leadership. I'm Tom Dennis, the CEO of Leadership and Culture Experts, Serenity in Leadership. And today I'm delighted to welcome Tanya Carrier, who is a globally renowned life and leadership coach and hosts transformational retreats in inspirational places. She's known as the Epiphany Designer, which sounds fantastic, and I'm sure you'll be intrigued to know more about that. So welcome, welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much, Tom. It's great to see you again. <laughs> so let's, let's go straight into it. P part of your work is leading extraordinary retreats and creating experiences mm -hmm. that guide your clients to epiphanies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As a facilitator, what are some keys to doing this work well? And, and, and what are some mistakes organizations and inv individuals are making when it comes to creating experiences? Hmm. You know, I think the most important thing, which is probably the most challenging or difficult thing, is to realize that these experiences are actually co-created. They're co-created first, you know, with great design and intention and thoughtfulness around the journey that the participants will go through. But then as soon as the participants engage, there has to be a sense of each of us moving with one another and really listening, attuning to and adapting to whatever is emerging in the conversation, in the emotional space, in the field. And I find that, you know, those facilitators who are trying to really create deep experiences, the, the, I sort of liken it to when we're horse riding, you know, you, you have to hold those reins lightly in the hand. If you're holding too strongly, you know, the horse actually resists the direction you're going in. Of course, if you don't hold the reins at all, well, you know, that can end in disaster. But can you actually be in tandem, in rhythm with the participants? So I think the, the co-creation is one of the most important skills. And I think after that, it's understanding that an experience you know, which is different than an intellectual um, absorption of information. An experience requires that it be somatic, that we have all elements engaged so that there is, you know, you're thinking about the body, you're thinking about the physicality of the room, the space, you're thinking about the emotion, the sense of belonging community, but also the sacredness of somebody's heart and how they're feeling. You're stimulating the mind, but then you're stimulating it in ways that are unpredictable because when they're unpredictable, that's when the epiphanies come up, you know, when we sort of stumble over something that maybe we've looked at a million times before, but when you stumble, you realize, oh, wait, there's something in that for me. So I think it has to have this very fulsome experience um, in order to really engage um, our participants. And I think the design needs to have a narrative. So I'm very attached to the idea of storyline and narrative. And what is the, just like a movie, you know, you don't start 
right in the critical scene. You know, you always start with a way to lead in and a way to actually fall fondly and kindly for one another. And then something challenging happens. And then we need a breakthrough. But then we also need that glorious ending moment. So there's a need to architect uh, a storyline for people to really have a fulsome experience. So I have a lot to say on this clearly, but <laughs> that's where I would start. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting I, because um, uh, yeah, I, I run some retreats. Uh, you, you do a lot more than that. But what, you know, where a lot of my focus is, is on, on running um, off-sites for organizations. And in a sense, they are retreats as well. Yes. Um, and the storyline we have to create at the beginning. But I, I, I often say to the, 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 whoever it is, the CEO or the, 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 the lead person, um, we may go off piste. But what is really important is having in mind what are the key objectives, the overall objectives, because the route that we may arrive at those are not necessarily the ones that you see as obvious because for the very reasons that you 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 describe when you bring people together there, there are the dynamics of those people and they are unique yes uh, and even the venue where it, where it is and what's going on uh, around it all can can um color what happens so I, I i mean i love it because it's i think that's facilitation that it's it's most um sensitive uh, and challenging actually but most rewarding as well if you're really working with the dynamics that are in the room and not being rigid but flowing moving with that flow i think it's amazing when <laughs> when it's like that it's so so it's it's rewarding for everybody as well i completely agree and it's all encompassing you know it feels like a movie when when it's all going well, you know, you've got the environment, the players, the conversation, the natural drama that happens between human beings, and it should be that engaging. And you're right, you know, sometimes it is the simple difference between a day where there's brilliant sunshine pouring through the windows, or a day when it's, you know, that kind of insularness that comes from pouring rain. I mean, that can make a huge difference on how a group is going to lean into a question or dare to open up with one another. And, and just one person having something that happens personally to them mm -hmm. will might take the group completely off in a, in a, in, in a different direction. You know, they've had some good news. They've had some bad news. And either they share it in the group, in which case the group is touched that way, or they withhold it from the group, and the group feels that withholding. I, 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 all of these things, it's uh, um, you know, they, they they say you know, as a as a change agent, or when you go into an organisation, the, the fact that you're there, even just as an observer, not saying a single thing, you you change the system. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, the fact that they have assembled somewhere other than their norm, you know, will influence 
where they're about to go in their exploration. Yeah, yeah. So um, what sort of people are coming on your retreats and, and how do you create an environment for self-learning? Mm. The sort of people. I think that the distinguishing characteristic is that it's people who are, let's say they're on a quest, which simply means they're holding a question. And, you know, if you break down that word, it's quest I on, you know, so someone who's holding a question, a question about themselves, about life, about their direction, maybe about identity. Um, who am I now? Uh, I find a lot of people in the, who are satisfied or who are, have achieved something are the ones who come because we never talk about how lonely it is when we are successful, you know, when we have, whether it's successfully raised a family and now they're off at college and you think, <clears throat> oh gosh, I didn't prepare for what now? Or, you know, all your energy has been um, focused on getting the, the promotion or being able to lead the, the team or the organization to a certain place and you get there and then what now? And those are really important, you know, moments of exploration where I think um, we rarely are supported. So it's usually people who are wanting more or wanting something else in some way. And quite frankly, I think we start asking these questions in a different way once we hit midlife, you know, uh, the we used to talk about the midlife crisis um, that people would have, you know, which is where they suddenly come up to an, a question of identity and say, am I that? Am I only that? Am I other things? Do I have a right to be other things? And I think we've moved away from midlife crisis and we do have midlife quest that happens now where I see more and more people giving themselves the opportunity to sink into the question of, is this identity the only one that I want to play out in this lifetime? People aren't retiring as they used to, but they are rebranding. You know, they are reformulating their lives. And those are the people that, that come um, always people that are seeking adventure and discovery. I think those are the magic qualities. Um, so if they have that predisposition, then, you know, it, it's easy to turn someone into that self-exploration because I really firmly believe each of us is living our own version of life, our own version of the truth. You know, there's Tom's version um, of the experience and what you want to seek from it. And so I just encourage people to really be aware, be aware of that script and that narrative, and then start to tinker with it and play. Before we started to record, we were talking a little bit about the, the, the corporate world and the the, the way that decisions are being made about releasing people to go on um, 
well, courses, retreats, and, and so on. I think for a lot of uh, decision makers in organizations, it, it probably feels a little bit da dangerous mm -hmm. to send somebody away because you're not quite sure what you're going to get back. You know, you can say, look, you're going to get a better person. They're going to be more self-aware. They're going to have really reflected on themselves. Their leadership skills will have been more developed. But I, I, I often used to say to uh, clients who, who were saying, well, um, what, what's going to happen if you start coaching this, this, this executive? And I, 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 I haven't said it so much recently, but I, I used to say often, well, you know, one of the outcomes may be that they leave. And, you know, the, the initial reaction is panic. Oh, my God, you know, we're going to pay for the coaching and they're going to leave. I mean, where, where's, where's the benefit in that? And I used to say, well, if they're going to leave, then what the coaching will do is bring that to the surface quicker and you're probably better off letting them go to where it is right for them so that you can put someone else in who is right for you in this moment. But it's a scary decision-making process. So what's your sense around um, corporates sending people on retreats? Uh, I think there is, um, there is sometimes that fear because they're not able to control outcome. But an organization is only built on the essence of the people it has. So it stands to reason that if it has self-actualized people, the organization will be also self-actualized, right? The brighter, the shinier, the, the more adventurous, the more risk-taking, the bolder, the more courageous the person, then all those qualities will also be signature of the organization. And so... I always say, you know, wouldn't you want to amplify your best players? Wouldn't you want them to be the ones who are truly leading by asking difficult questions, pushing boundaries, willing to risk and embrace change? It is the most required quality in an organization these days is to be resilient adaptive and to actually embrace the idea of change and so you can't ask that of your organization if you haven't cultivated that in your people it just won't happen if you keep them in these narrow lanes and insist on you know immediate returns that are predictable well, that is the kind of organization that you will, in fact, engender. And so, uh, and I think that's a risky place to be these days. <laughs> so, and I think you put it beautifully. So the, the, the role of coaching is ever more important given the turbulence and fast changing pace um we've experienced particularly in the last five years so what what are you learning are, are the current needs of the leaders in particular who are coming to you right now hmm. 
there are a lot of needs, well, first of all, for these change um, skills, these change characteristics, the need to really understand grit, uh, being able to be resilient, to adapt to change, the need to be able to hold multiple points of view or perspectives all at the same time. We have left the era where there was one way to do things, one process, one direction, one understanding. It is gone. And so you have to be quite agile to hold these different points of view and consider that all of them have truth in them. That's a very complex place. So the ability to deal in complexity is really required by most leaders um, and relationship building. We have lost so many of the natural touch points as we've moved into this hybrid workspace. We've gained many things, but the ability to create trust, to create commitment, to create a sense of bond and community uh, is being asked for tenfold now. How do I do that? How do I, you know, engage? I have one client. The deadline for various reasons has become that much more pressured filled. You know, all the old ways that he was able to grab a team together and have them put in the effort and see the, the potential of their outcome are no longer available to him. How does he do that when his team is globally scattered, doesn't know one another, and doesn't have that sense of connection that we had? So those are the kinds of things that, you know, we need a certain human robustness in order to be able to navigate. And that's what people are coming to explore. Well, one thing you said that which really struck me straight away <clears throat> was this: he's got the global team, so they're they're spread all over the place, and and Zoom has has enabled people to meet electronically, and it saved a fortune in terms of travel time and and all the rest of it, and 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 just well the the cost of travel. But my own sense is, and I, you know, I've just come back from an offsite in 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 uh, in in the US is that there are there there are some things that you cannot replace electronically that there are some things that that have a an incredible value of having everybody in the room together physically what what what's your experience of that i absolutely agree you know why do we travel at in any holiday season to meet with friends and family. Why do we do it? We do it because of the value of being together in person. We've always done it. We've always known it. Why would that shift? Um, there are some things that only happen when we are together in the same room, when we have this extended amount of time, you know, the small connections, the small awarenesses. And we can't forget, you know, we are these very cerebral, elaborate mammals. You know, we actually need presence with one another to feel our connection, to feel grounded. 
um, with one another. There's a lot of science behind what happens when we are in presence. And so um, I absolutely think, yes, the Zoom world, this world is fantastic and exciting, but it cannot replace some of the elements that we uh, need to be in presence of together. The intangible things. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it meant everything when you and I are across an ocean, uh, but we had a chance to have a lunch. And then you have a chance to to just really greet one another differently, you know, make time for one another differently exchange differently and it cements something and again you know if if it wasn't so important it wouldn't be such a part of all of our traditions to gather and be in space together it's that word presence mm -hmm. so what, what's the biggest facilitation challenge you've faced in your work i thought we might brainstorm some cutting-edge solutions Ah. <laughs> you know, here's something, okay. I see this trend beginning, but I am wondering how to encourage it in the leaders that I'm working with. That working with questions, whether it's, you know, on a retreat, on an offsite, or with a coach, that that is best done in the good times, if you will. It's not meant to be done in crisis. In crisis, it can play an important role to sort of realign or quickly do course correction. But that is a very specific and often limited outcome. I think you'd agree the best time to do this exploration is actually when we have a certain amount of ease, a certain amount of flow, you know, a certain amount of juiciness in the system. When things are going well, that's the time to then stretch up, up level and jump into something else. So how do we get people attuned to the idea that reaching in and asking for more is a positive thing and is and should be done when things are in the positive yes <laughs> yes I, I i mean it's 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 the age old thing about well I think organizations tend to, they don't respond terribly well, but they react an awful lot. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the time to invest is when things are going really well. But that's mm -hmm. the time when people say, well, it's going very well, so let's not spend any money on that. Um, and it, 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 there's a sort of reverse psychology in there. So it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have in my time handled um, uh, sort of offsites at desperate moments, you know, where, where, um, you know, I remember when uh, the Deepwater Horizon exploded. Um, mm. and actually, I was with the leadership team of the, 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 the company that owned that rig. 
at that time, and we were due to have an offsite in Galveston that day. So I said, right, well, let's meet. We've just got a different discussion to go through. <laughs> but it was, it was like, I think sometimes people are so, they're not, they're so focused on, oh my God, what have we got to do now? And actually, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an opportunity to step back and breathe, you mm -hmm. know, and then say, okay, so what are the priorities now? What do we need to do? Um, and I remember in that particular instance, you know, the some of the challenges that came up that, you know, all the the, the, the survivors from from that they were coming a ashore they had no clothes they'd lost their car keys um their, their next of kin were desperate to find out you know if they were safe mm -hmm. and there were all these dynamics which actually hadn't really been thought through but were being lived yes I, I i think that that kind of disaster management is something that i i've i've experienced quite a few times in different um moments uh and there's so much learning from them. But I think that so often organizations, I, I mean, I come from the military originally, and I think they, one of the things they do well is to sit back and say, so what did we learn? Yes, you yes. And, and, and how do we change our SOPs so the next time th these particular dynamics are included? Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know I, I think it's fascinating looking at the the pandemic uh and the way certainly that the british government handled it because they had uh um brainstormed a pandemic a couple of years before i think it was right. in 2016 different pandemic but nevertheless they brainstormed it but when it happened th there was this sort of never mind with the book and what what do we do now and and, and it's all the learning and the and it, and it all comes back to breathe. Uh huh. Uh huh. And and let's let's just be, before we. It's who was it? it? Was Stephen Covey came up with the story, didn't he? Of the the people chopping trees, and one guy climbs a tree. And he shouts from the top, wrong jungle. <laughs> and they shout back up at him, shut up, we're making progress. Yes, yes. So I don't know, I've, I've gone off piste a little bit there, but I, I, it, I think enabling people to focus on what actually is important when the, the, the stresses are really on them is... is um, Yes, and I think you're you're also highlighting the importance of that visionary leader, you know, that someone has to be actually thinking ahead, foresight, looking, where are we headed? Um, where do we need to adjust? Uh, what is the new direction now? And always in that mindset, equipping everyone with you know, the skills to breathe with the ability to rely on the knowledge that they have in the moment, you know, but you can't equip people in the moment. They either in that moment have it or don't have it. So 
the the best leaders have actually done the job to think ahead and say, ah, you know, I want to make sure she or he has these skills or this ability or this trust so that in that moment, they will just drop down into it. And that's when we can trust our leaders to make those kind of pivot decisions uh, and and drop the book. But if they don't have it, then, oh, no, that becomes a very, very dangerous scenario. And I think one of the key things in there is humility. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's something that we don't practice enough, I think, and practice the art of saying, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I, I need to think about this. I need to go consult about this. I need to lean into this. I need to be curious about this. I need to ask questions. We are so, so, so quick to take a stand, take a position, take a direction that has been, you know, the old school style of leadership is how fast, how fast can you get out of the gate? And, um, you know, in this day and age, I think that turns into how fast can you run into the brick wall? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's. It requires a really, really strong leadership acumen to say, yes, that is the most awesome question I've heard today. I'm now going to go about finding the answer. Uh, and that's what really gives me confidence in an organization. I'm a little leery when someone says, oh, yeah, I got it. You know, I'm like, really? Because it just came up right now. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, it's something that I, I I'm really passionate about I think is that for me the key leadership skill that's needed now is self-awareness mm. uh, and and so how do you encourage self-reflection awareness and em emotional resonance to do with work I think that that's actually what leadership is. I think that a strong leader is not about doing, but is about being aware of all the elements that are at play in an organization. And that includes the self. And so self-awareness, knowing, you know, what my lenses are, what my biases are, what my predispositions are what every strength can bring to the organization and at the same time compromise in the organization. Thus, I am accountable for what I'm bringing. I mean, that is the essence of leadership. I do not believe leaders can exist without self-awareness. It, it, for me, is, is a non-starter. I mean, it's it's why we're creating exactly that as a leadership program that mm -hmm. that um, has that as its as its its fundamental core. Uh, it, it, yes, it's just so fundamental. So, twenty twenty four. We're going into twenty twenty four. It's I think it's a a year of of enormous challenge, enormous change. Um, you've got seventy odd countries that are going to the polls, not least the U.S. 
the UK mm. and Europe, e the EU. So I, I, I think that there are all sorts of dynamics that are going to be sort of rising to the surface. I was listening to um, the, the greatest risks um, that are predicted, I think the, the company is called Eurasia. And they said that the three top risks are all conflicts. There's the conflict uh, in Ukraine and where that's going to go, which is largely going to be affected by the US election. Um, there's the conflict in the, 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 the Middle East, which is, is brewing still. And then there's the third conflict, which they describe as the US against itself, which I thought was a very interesting way of, of, of looking at things. And I, I think it's interesting because the, the people in the US say, well, why are you worried about the, the United States um, elections? That's our problem, not yours. And it's like, look, when somebody sneezes in the US, it rebounds across the world. Uh, and so th th there are many more people than just US citizens are holding their breath to see what's going to be happening. So what are, what are three uh, tips, do you think, that you could give on how any of us can move through the unseen challenges that, that whatever they are, uh, may come up so that we can retain our equilibrium and be better and, and more responsible leaders? Hmm. Hmm. I would say the first thing is to really manage, watch, be curious about the orientation that we hold and to make decisions based not in fear, but in possibility, in what we want to create, not in what we want to avoid, in not the disaster of what, you know, the negative of what might happen, but really what is the possibility that stands. I think that's really important. There is so much fear narrative um, that it predisposes us to certain actions. And I think the narrative of abundance um, will actually strengthen some of our decisions. And so in abundance, we come together, we recognize uh, that we are strong, that we are a global society, that ultimately we do care for one another. We have these situations of conflict. Absolutely, they exist. And look, there is the rest of the world looking at it saying that is not acceptable. That is not what we want. That is not the norm that we want to lean into. So I think we need to really watch that we're not making fear-based conversations and decisions. That would be one thing. And that's a way to reduce the level of anxiety that each of us as individuals is feeling. And so that's the second thing, you know, how can we really take care of ourselves? We are responsible for showing up to our families, our communities, our organizations as vibrant and thriving human beings, not just uh, surviving beings. And there is a difference. Mm -hmm. And so self-care is paramount. It is not a nice to have. It is a responsibility as a leader to be thriving. 
because you will then be able to encourage that in all others, but also to do the heavy lifting when it is necessary. So I think self-care and wellness is actually a very um, important objective. Um, and third one, I would say stay in curiosity, stay in question, get away from feeling we have to know the answers, be willing to dialogue and say, there is a new answer that has yet to be created. It is my job to be a part of that creation. And in dialogue, we will solve these things, I am sure. Beautiful dialogue. Yes. Yes. Tanya, thank you. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> it's so lovely to be in conversation, mm. just to explore and to hold for each other and for the world what is possible. So thank you. So if um, people want to find out more about you or your retreats and so on, how, how do they do that? Well, they can search my name, Tanya Carrier, or the company name, which is Advivum Journeys. It's a Canadian company, so advivumjourneys.ca. And I would welcome a journey with anyone. And, uh, we've had a great journey just now, and I, yes. I really, really appreciated it. Um, we have a lot of things in common and interests in common, and different experiences and I, I i love that sort of uh, coming together and, and exploration so thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs>